All right, welcome, welcome, welcome all Facebook, YouTube, wherever you're uh, watching or listening from, Spotify, Apple, I don't know where you guys are listening in from, but this is the Love That Neighbor Podcast Network, and we're going to dive into um, a pretty interesting subject. Um, if you saw the title, um, it probably sparked some things, <laughs> you know, and you're probably going to wonder, okay, what's this going to be about, you know, but um, I think we're going to have a great conversation with my good friend uh, from the, the 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 men's Bible study. I just love this guy, uh, Brother Kevin. How you doing, sir? <laughs> I am doing well. Thanks for having me on. It's such a pleasure to be back with you. Yes, we haven't done this in a while, and I'm, I was glad to, that you accepted to come back. Now, you and your wife are doing a project. Uh, you want to talk about that real quick before we dive into our subject today? You, you mean the, the videos? Yes, yes. Yeah. So so my wife and I have, so we've been married almost 30, 38 years here next month. We've raised 10 kids. Uh, God has been gracious. They're all uh, serving, raising their own kids in church. And so we've uh, put together an, about a weekly video called Willing Warriors, just trying to put feet and hands to all the things the Lord has taught us, sometimes a knock. <laughs> and so I, I try to lay the biblical foundation, and my wife does a really good job of telling how we put feet and hands to that. So about 20 minutes of video and covering all kinds of subjects from bedtime bat battles to uh, how to get your kids married off and all kinds of subjects. So, yeah, look, look for us on the YouTube. Willing Warriors, love to have any comments. Yeah, yeah, I've... I've... I've checked out quite a few episodes and I, I love the balance that you guys have. You know, it's like me and my wife, we kind of counterbalance each other, you know, <laughs> and, 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 and it's just, I, I love to see, you know, uh, husband and wife working together. So often it's one or the other, or, you know, the, the husband, he's, you know, the wife is shying away from the camera. You know, I know a lot of wives like, no, no, I don't want to get on the camera. Don't put me on there. Yeah. And, you know, and so I, I don't know if your wife had that objection in the beginning. <laughs> you know? Yeah, there was some reluctance, but uh, <laughs> they get some, she got some encouragement of some folks that were listening. And so she continued on and I'm thankful for that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, and so um, definitely you can check out their stuff on you, YouTube, Willing Warrior. Um, I, I love the project. And, uh, and those that uh, support this channel, Thank you so much. I want to say that before I dive in too deep. Um, thank you for all your support because it keeps us going, keeps us uh, busy putting out uh, material. And, and we got a lot of material. I, I Sometimes I don't even know how I'm going to get all the material that I have out into videos, working on different stuff. But thank you again for those that are supporting. Um, and if you want to support, just click on uh, the join button that you'll see underneath uh, the video or there's a super thanks there that you can click on if you just want to donate something. So definitely appreciate all that. Thank you guys for your prayers and, and your support. So as we get into this particular subject, and uh, again, I say, you know, we haven't done anything in a while, so it's good to have you back. And I've always watched you um, and you are uh, a unapologetic male, <laughs> which in today's climate, uh, could 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 rub people the wrong way sometimes. You know, some of the things that you say, um, 
you know, and it's just because of the way our social uh, context is is being wired that you don't want to be, you know, too masculine. <laughs> you know, you know, you don't want to, as as we kind of talked about on off air, toxic masculinity, um, right. things of that nature. But let's lay a foundation. You know. And, and I don't know if you can do this in, in, in a few words, but I'll give you space to kind of talk through. When you talk about biblical manhood, what is it? What are the fundamentals that you share with men? Yeah, so, so Jesus, uh, Jesus is the epitome of biblical manhood. And he led and sacrificed, right? He sacrificed all. He sacrificed his reputation. He sacrificed his uh, his sleep, his food, his routines. He sacrificed everything out of love, and he did some pretty. And his love to uh, you, you see it many times, right? Just start with a, a grand rebuke. One minute he's telling Peter, "Blessed are you, um, you know, you are calling me the Son of God, and blessed are you." And upon this testimony, I'm going to build the church. Next statement. He says, I'm, Jesus says, I'm heading to the cross. And Peter says, no, 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 Jesus, you can't do that. And smack, he says, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> and, and that was an indelible, he says, you've got the things of man on your mind. You don't have the things of God. Can you imagine, that was like taking an, a magic marker, an indelible ink, and writing that on Peter. I mean, that was with him the rest of his life. But was it done because of hatred? No, it was a stern rebuke out of love. And Peter went on to be a warrior, right? And so this is how men are to interact with each other. Uh, we just, we do it out of love. We do it out of restoration, but we're firm, we're strong, right? That's how God has made us. He's not made us like women, which, by the way, women, those skills and talents of nurturing and caring and wondering how they're feelings are and trying to make everyone feel accepted are beautiful on a woman I, I love it on my wife but for a man it's called it's effeminate it's weak and it's not endearing right it's cowardly so jesus was no coward he walked to that cross he knew what was coming and he did it anyways right yeah 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 so i you know when i when i think about what you're saying um i try to try to put myself in the in the position of someone that would say, well, I, I don't know about that. You know, what about, you know, a shepherd? Isn't a shepherd supposed to be caring of the sheep? And so sure. kind, of, kind of talk to the shepherding piece because Jesus was the good shepherd, right? He's the ultimate shepherd. He was the good example. Could, could you kind, right. of, kind of put those together for me? Sure, sure. So, so a rebuke is not, not the only tool in in a, in a godly man's arsenal, right? He comes by, he exhorts, he encourages, he does everything. But like a good shepherd, he, Psalm 23, he carries a rod. And what does he carry a rod for? It's not to tickle the sheep, it's to smack them, right? Now, it shouldn't, doesn't be used every day. But when it needs to be used, it needs to be used. He carries a crook, right? They're going astray. He grabs them and he yanks them. And so what we have to do with brothers is we have to build up some capital, right? Mm -hmm. If if you know your brother's got your back and you know he's encouraging you there, he's helping you, he's there to sacrifice for you, like Jesus, right, did with Peter, when he does give you that sharp rebuke, you stop and, wow, 
what's going on? And you gotta, you gotta pay attention, right? Because there's this whole, whole capital, this whole dialogue that's been built up, right? And you better pay attention. And when we've had those good rebukes, and we, we can, we can all remember them. I can remember them. Those are the things that change our course, right? That good shepherd is interacted, has intervened. He hasn't let us, you know, wander off into some place. So, yeah, a good shepherd does <laughs> does use force from time to time, right? Yeah, yeah, and and I think you know, as, as a pastor, and, and um, there, I like that you said build up capital. You know, um, you know, either way, I pose it is that you know I build up the right to speak into a person's life that people don't know, people don't care how much you know, right? Until they know how much you care. There are times when people say, well, if they feel like you don't care and you try to give them that sharp rebuke, they're like, I don't wanna hear that. But if you built a relationship with them and they know that you have their best interests at heart, that you care about them and that what you're saying is from a place of love. I, I, I think about, you know, you, you brought up Peter, um, uh, on multiple, there was times where Jesus would say things like, you know what, Lord, you know, how long <laughs> do I have to be around these people of, of, of little faith? And you're like, man, Jesus, yeah. you talk like that? <laughs> you, right. you get frustrated like that? You know, Jesus turning over tables. Right. Now, that's a scene that I think for a lot of people creates a, 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 a problem in their theological construct when it comes down to jesus they're like what is jesus doing flipping over tables and 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 beating people out of he literally beat people out of the temple and i remember we were going over this in a men's group and you know i was explaining that jesus showed the full range of human emotions he had sadness he had anger you know uh uh, he you know he showed uh uh disappointment He, he he you know he had love for people when when men only show the flipping over of tables, what does that speak to the people around them, though? Sure, sure. Yeah, it, it's definitely a balance. So there's a time for the battle, and the battle is waged in a lot of different ways. And so there is a righteous anger, and then there is also an anger that's just a wrath of man, right? And the yeah. wrath of man accomplishes nothing. So the wrath of man, which is me getting my pound of flesh, right? Mm-hmm. No, it says, turn to the God of vengeance, right? Let Rely on him, trust him to, to make things right. But a righteous anger is not, it's, it's, it's approaching someone to say, you know what? There's a man that's sinning. And wherever there's sin, there's always a victim. Mm-hmm. There's always a victim. And so many times men will look, ah, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to get involved. Well, if that man's in sin, he's rough with his family. He's rough with, he's an abusive father, whatever it is, there's always a victim of his actions. And so, so we need strong men who are not cowards. And remember, think about what it says in, in book of Revelation, Revelation, the cowardly, they will not, they will not inherit the kingdom. And so he's given us a, not a spirit of timidity, right. but a spirit of power and might. And he's made you and I, men, right, the stronger vessels. And so the scripture is full of prophets who are rebuking. It's not because they've got this 
you know, you've made me upset, therefore I'm going to pay you back. No, it's all out of love. It's out of correction. It's out of restoration. It's to make them uh, clean, right? To make them walk in the righteous path. And we can look back on from a human experience, right? We've had, you've had coaches that you just, you walk the first day of practice, you say, this guy, I don't like him, man. He's made me run too many suicides and too many this, too many that. And you hated him. But when it comes to the end of the season and you look how far he's pushed you, you you see the games that you won, right? Uh, whatever, whatever you've accomplished. And you said, wow, I respected that guy. And so men need to respect. That needs to be what we're driving for with one another, right? Respect. And so let's do that. Let's, as opposed to affirming and being accommodating, that's a woman's approach. And yeah, we should, we should apply some of that from time to time. I get it, but we should be strong and we should be encouraging, rebuking, exhorting, pushing one another, right? Like that, like that football coach that we didn't like the first day of double practices, right? So, but we appreciate them at the end and that's what we're looking for. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, um, I mentioned to you when um, I reached out to you to be on the show uh, about, you know, um, masculine love, you know, and that seems like a weird, <laughs> you know, uh, a statement. You know, we talk about masculine love, but what does that look like? What is masculine love for your wife, for your children, for your brothers and sisters in Christ? What does that look like? Um, you know, and, and kind of if there's a, a clear definition of the term, you can define the term. But otherwise, what does that look like? Yeah, so so there's there's a phrase that's buzz, buzzing around. It's it's a pretty good phrase. It's called sacrificial leadership. Mm. Right. You've heard people talking about sacrificial leadership. You know, the trouble is, is uh, or servant leadership, servant leadership. You've heard that talked about. But the question is, who are you serving? Mm. servant leadership who are you serving and if you're serving if first you're serving your family or first you're serving your wife you've got your love your priorities mixed up you first serve god yes you first serve god and if you're first serving and loving god and your wife your wife is uh like job's wife and mm. comes to you and says she says anthony curse god and die and you're like no tear, no, right? Or if she's like Abigail and went to Nabal and said, Nabal, you fool, right? Uh, you shouldn't have rebuked David the way you did. He was coming and he was gracious to you, right? Then you should say, dear, you're right. You know, I was wrong. Mm. So, so as we serve our family, we have to love God and what love that which God loves first and not, I'll tell you, many a man, needs to first rebuke his wife. Uh, and I know this sounds odd. Instead of adopting this phrase, yes, dear, yes, dear, yes, dear, like Eve, Adam, here's the fruit. Yes, dear, yes, dear. He should have, Adam should have stood up and said, no, I'm going to show you love. We're not eating this fruit. Oh, did you eat this fruit already? I'm going to show you a picture of love. You deserve to die, but I'm going to die in your place. Mm. This is exactly what the second Adam did to save us, right? This is what Christ did. 
he he died that we might that his bride the church might live right but that's how that's what love is right that's how a man should love he's a picture of christ not a picture of adam who was weak who just said yes dear yeah yeah you know i think about when you're saying that i think about ephesians chapter five and you know that he said to love your wives as christ loved the church and he gave himself for her you know that 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 sacrifice that you know, willing to uh, do the hard things and sometimes willing to uh, stand up <laughs> to your own wife, you know, you know, love them enough to be truthful with them and be honest, That's right. you know, rather than, you know, oh, I love her. So I'm not going right. to say anything about that. I'm going to let that go. I'm going to, but, and it, and it, and it feels odd that we right. have to like qualify that, that, that there's some other way that people do that. They're either, you know, uh, capitulating and just, yeah, yes, dear, yes, dear. Or there's another extreme where it's my way or the highway. You know, I, I, I rule my house with an iron yeah, fist. Yeah, that's right. Brute force. You know, what's, what's the balance in between them? Right, right. And we're not, yes, dear, yes, dear. Or, you know, you better do what I say because I'm the man. Where's the balance? Right. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. So the balance is always uh, when you know when I've done marriage counseling and people say, uh, "Well, he wants his way, he wants his will," or yeah. she, and and the other says, "Well, she wants her will or her her way." Guess what? Remember the Lord's prayer: "Thy will, thy not will. my will, not her will. Thy yeah. will be done. Thy will be done." So I think a godly man is is it's not that he should be the leader of his family. He is the leader of his family. And so he has to lead knowing that he has a wife. She's a, she's a wonderful help meet. The spirit of God is alive and working within her. A godly man will listen to his wife. He will not, he doesn't obey his wife. He obeys God. And as she's speaking God's truth, he listens to her and he follows that. But at the end of the day, he's the one that has to give full account for what he and his family have done, right? And so this takes a humility. It takes ears to listen. Um, and and he should be taking counsel from other men as well. But his, answer, but his, his mindset should be blessing upon blessing. He should be seeking to bless those under his care. This is what Christ did. He blessed them. For instance, if you have a when you had, when you had small children in the house, if they were going to stick their finger in the outlet, oh, the electric outlet, the greatest blessing you could give them in that moment was a stern no, right? No, don't do that. And they would look at you and say, "Dad, you hurt my feelings." He said, "Well, better your feelings get hurt than your whole body's electrocuted, right?" <laughs> so we're always seeking to give the greatest blessing. And there's no blessing ever in sin or disobedience. Never. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a that's a good word, and I, and I, and I think it's it needs to be uh, reiterated because sometimes we can take it to one extreme or the other instead of looking for that balance, like you said, in Christ. Right. This is just the great, great example. You know, right. a lot of men would rather be 
in charge of their wives than to be an example for their wives. You know, we should be an example of what it looks like to follow right. God. That's that's our leadership, right? Like, follow me, like Paul said to the church, follow me as I follow Christ. We should that's be right. to our families, right? Follow me as I follow Christ, because ultimately that's where my authority comes from is following Christ because he gives me the authority authority for the responsibility of caring for my family, not just so I can be a big bully and walk around and tell everybody what to do. It's so that I can be an example. And by my example, I'm leading them to a relationship in Christ. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I like, I like that because that extreme sometimes throws us off. Like you said, just like you, I've, I've been in marriage counselings and the biggest thing is she won't submit to me, <laughs> right? Have you ever had a guy sit down across from you and say, right, yeah, right. she won't submit to me, you know? What do you usually say to, what do you say to that guy? <laughs> right, right. Well, I, I usually start with this. I say, let, let's go back and let's get the log out of your eye so that you can help her to get the speck out of her eye. And so every single relationship, Christ submits to his father. Christ and the father send the spirit. Men who are leading their families should be, to your point, right? Embrace submission. Submit to those local leaders in your church. Submit to God's word. And as, and, but you, you've seen this if you've raised your children. Children are little mirrors of us. Right. And and the and the things that we hate the most in our children are things that they just see us doing. Yeah. So my take is if a if a woman is not submitting, she should be called to submit, no doubt. Right. Even when he uh, Peter says, even if he's not an unbeliever, submit to him that he may be won over without a single word, without a drip, drip, drip. But to the to the man, if he has a wife that's not submitting, then my first call to him is brother. Are you submitting to the Lord in all your ways? Are you just seeking to do your ways and your will? Are you just, you just want to be large or you just want to be in charge because you're large or what is it, right? So yeah, that's my first take is first check your own heart, your own mind. Are you submitting to God? Are you loving your wife sacrificially? Are you leading her? Not, I'm not telling him to obey her, but to bless and bless and bless her, right? Like Christ did to us. He won us over, right? He, he won us over not with raw power. He won us over with love, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. It was through loving kindness that he drew us, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. It was his love. His love uh, 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 is what is what he said. The Bible says that he loved us first, right? And yeah. so now love him in return because he was he extended that love. And as husbands, it's a very difficult thing. And uh, I'm going to ask you to kind of speak into this. Why is it so difficult for men to show their family love, like really love? And, and, and maybe it's because we don't know how to define love. Maybe that's part of it. But wh why do you think it's difficult for men to show their family love, starting with their wives and then with their children? And, you know, why is it so difficult? I, I, I think what's happened is that is the Christian church, well, so go to any large Christian church. And I think what you'll find is you'll find some ratio, 60% women, 40% men, so to speak, right? You always find women outnumbering men in the church. Hmm. 
and the uh, and then there's a whole group of men that are there because their wife is dragging them along. Oh man. <laughs> so 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 what's happened is I think in the church uh, for a century or two now, we think about the apostle Paul. <laughs> Everywhere he went, he proclaimed. He didn't share. He didn't share the gospel. He proclaimed the gospel. Jesus is Lord. Jesus, and there was a riot everywhere, and he didn't back down, right? So what's happened is the the relate the the modern church, I believe, has become effeminate, and it's focused on this relationship. So God has given to man the task to go take dominion, go climb that hill, slay that dragon, uh, and what's that dominion task that's been given to him? He's like go. Proclaim the gospel, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, disciple them, right? Do it to how many people? Not just a handful here and there, but to the world. And so that's the mission. And so that's the godly mission that's been given to men. God has made man on a mission. Now he's made woman with her with her uh, attention towards a man. So a man wants to know, uh, how are we doing towards the mission? A woman wants to know, well, how are you and I doing okay right so in the last 100 years 200 years um the church has focused in a feminine way about how are we doing with jesus and let me give you an example i'm going to use something a little shocking because this is what men do with each other out of care and concern we sing homoerotic jesus love songs oh boy <laughs> and, so, and, and how, how can you tell it take the word jesus out of the chorus and drop in the name of your lover, right? Drop in her name. And if the song goes, it's a homoerotic song. Now, you know, Jesus and me walking together and we just love each other. And so men are like versus the Psalms, right? There's been generations in the past that would sing the Psalms of David, a fighting man, to go take dominion and to take charge. And so the church has become effeminate the pastors have become large-scale uh, therapeutics, right, to, to try to, with all their cycle babble, let's you and I get our minds right, and, and this, what have you, that, what have you, versus, hey, we got a mission, we got a task. I don't care that your feelings are hurt, right? Think about how often Jesus said something sharp to the Pharisees, and they said to him, Jesus, I think you offended them. He never comes back, oh my, really? Bring him back. I want to reassure him of that. No, he was thumping them, right? And he was on a mission. So I think in in the modern Christian church, men, godly men, alpha males have had to decide, am I a Christian? And therefore that means to be effeminate. So what do I, should I be a man and renounce the gospel or should I and become effeminate or keep my manliness? What do I do? And there's just problems. So there's very few people like Nehemiah, like Paul, like John the Baptist, that are just out there swinging hard, swinging to the fences, right? Or just saying, no, we are not going to bow to these tyrants. Uh, one of my uh, heroes recently has been uh, John MacArthur. He writes this open letter to Gavin Newsom, governor of California. He says, Gavin, no, we are not going to do this. We are going to have church. This is what God has told us to do, 
And, you know, you go back to administering justice. Don't tell us how to worship God or when to worship God. That's what we need, right? We need more men, that kind of thing. And that's what charges men up so that they know, oh, we're on mission versus we're just here to love one another and have a big uh, uh, hug, right? By the way, I'm not nothing wrong with the hug, but, <laughs> but men need a mission. They need to be on mission. They raise their families, start businesses, start churches, start schools, right? Start a mission uh, in a different town, a different city, different place. They need that. And we've just lost that, I would say, as a whole. Sorry, that was a very long answer to a short question. No, no, no. I, I think I think it's it's interesting, and I think there is a a generational, um, a generational conflict there, in, in you know, in the statement that when you really unpack it, you know, you do have um, um, the older generation of men, you know, that you know, put some dirt on it. You know, when I was your age, I walked 25 miles with bare feet, you know, right, right, <laughs> and, then right. they, and then there's the, the, the new, the, the up and coming generation that says, well, is that the way it's supposed to be? And so there becomes a conflict between those right. generations, because right. like you said, and I think you said at the end, there's nothing wrong with a hug. Again, where's the where's where's the, where's the balance? Where's the balance? You know, I have a my son. He's uh, six foot three, almost six four, three hundred plus pounds. You know, he's now you know towering over me, and you know, he played middle linebacker. <laughs> he, he plays <laughs> offensive guard. He's a All right. <laughs> offensive lineman, and you know, when we will hug and we'll embrace, and. It's like, well, man, that other men will see like, man, you, you and your son, your son have a, have a really good relationship and we have a, a very strong relationship, but what we can, we can hug each other and we can embrace and I can say, son, I love you. And he can say it back to me, which is something I never had. Right. I never had that growing up. Um, as a matter of fact, in the beginning, I didn't know how to do that without feeling right. weird. <laughs> You're like, like, am I, am I, am I treating him, you know, like a girl? You know what is? Yeah. And so, in that, you know, to to speak to your point, there again is, what's what's the balance? What what is, what is the balance? Because I think there is a lot of men that would say, you know, that the church as a whole has been targeted or geared towards women, right. I know we're we're gonna get in trouble for this, right? <laughs> we're we're gonna get in trouble for, for saying this, but it's been geared towards women and you know, setting the church up so that men can feel comfortable in that atmosphere and worship God and be involved and not feel like I have to become uh, as you said, effeminate or 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 more, you know, I've got to be super emotional and, and, right. and that nature where is the balance where is the balance you know you you brought up david king david earlier he was a right. worshiper and a warrior and a poet and, and a, a poet, poet. <laughs> yeah. man could play a harp and right. he could play ten thousand people by himself right how do how do we find that balance without it being just oh just slay people slay people you know, or 
just play the harp. Just play the harp. Where, you know, where, how did he find that balance? Yeah, that that's a, I think that's a good question. What we need is we need brothers. So you mentioned David. So David had a great friend named Jonathan, right? And, and there are those naysayers that said, oh, look, David was a homosexual, right? No, right. David was not a homosexual. <laughs> he, he wasn't, but a little bit different than, well, maybe you've had this experience, but women can get together with other women and they never met before. And within five to 10 minutes, they're sharing their birth stories, right? They're sharing how those babies came out. They're, they're sharing all this intimate stuff. They, they can do that much easier because they're always about building, you know, good community and that's fine. Men, if you had a men, men that showed up and within five minutes was talking to you about all of his deep innermost feelings, you're kind of like, dude, I don't even know you. What are we doing here, right? And you'd start to wonder. And so I think men need really good friends. Mm. Maybe not hundreds of just people they know a little bit, but just a few good friends, those that you know got your back. And what and, and what what's the what's the best way to have that kind of friendship? Go back to the playground. Sorry, you're 10 years old, five years old, whatever it is. Some other boy comes up to you and he calls you out. And you look at him. And you know, if you turn, at least in my day, you turn and walk the other way, they'd say, oh, you're, you know, you're yellow, you're spineless, you're, you're a wimp, right? So those two boys have it out and they fight each other and they roll around in the dirt and, and it's a draw and they get up and they, and now going forward, those guys are best of buddies. Why? They're ready to go on mission together to go fight. And they know, hey, this guy's tough. He's tough like me. And so we don't need hundreds of men. We just need a few of those brothers. And so today, when, you're, when we're in our 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, right, we don't go like those boys on the playground and we don't, we don't roll on the ground. What we do, though, is we throw little bombs, little tiny grenades at each other, right? We make fun of each other. And the women are like, why are you doing that? Well, this is what men do. We're testing each other's metal. We're testing them, say, can I trust this guy? When the bombs, when the when the trouble starts flying, right? Can I trust this guy? And that's how men build the relationships. They just, they kind of make fun of each other. I call it man love. It's not meant to, when women do it to one another, women over compliment each other. If you're, oh, you, a woman walks up, the other woman says, I love that dress. And we're all thinking, that's the ugliest dress I've ever seen, right? But but a man a man will say things to each other and they don't mean it, but they're just trying to test each other, test each other's metal, so to speak. Right. And scripture says iron sharpening iron. And so we got to know there's something there that I can trust. I can rely on. And so we need a few brothers and with those brothers, we need to walk into the battle. I think if you've been on some sports teams, right. Think about some of those guys that you trusted the most, the guys that were in the trenches right next to you. They, the, the right tackle in the center or whatever, you know, those two guys learn to trust each other. He's got my back. He's going to be there. He's not letting me down. So that's how we learn. In the heat of battle, we grab them. We say, help me. And they help us, right? Women share feelings. Men share struggles. That makes sense. We share things that we're working on together, building a house, building a church, whatever whatever the whatever mountain we're climbing we want to we, we need help right yeah 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 i think you know when i 
when I hear you say that, I think back to uh, David's mighty men. Um, uh, I think it's in Kings or Samuel, one of them, where he talked about uh, his 36 mighty men. And each one of those guys had their own stories of great conquests. And when David would team up with one of them, you know, he'd take one of those guys and man, they go slay hundreds. Like, man, you guys just slayed 800 right. guys, just two guys. Well, yeah, I wanted to see if he could fight. <laughs> you know? By the way, that story has a horrific ending. If you, if you put, yeah. play it out, Uriah, Bathsheba's husband was one of those guys. One of those guys, yeah. He was one of those guys. And he, wa he wasn't even a Jew, yet he attached himself because David was doing something mighty. He wanted to be on the team. And so David slept with his wife, lied, and had him killed. Yeah. By the way, and and just to put an exclamation point on it, from there on out, David's power as a man yeah. was in huge decline. Yeah. Right? So so yeah, that's how men build brotherhood is you know battle together, trust each other. And David did not have Uriah's back right at that time. He had his wife, but not his back, so to yeah. speak. And like you said, from the eyes of the other soldiers, the other men. Yeah, it was slowly in, in decline in their eyes. Right. Because this was one of our brothers. This was, and even though they obeyed and they did what David told them to do concerning Uriah, right. man. Right. So I, I think that's a good point. You know, right. when when you're thinking of when we're thinking about men in the church, and um, uh, just last night I had a at our men's group, and you know I've got a great group of guys, eight to twelve guys that we come together weekly and. You know, we talk about various things and, uh, and, and, and uh, a guy was visiting and he was like, man, you guys got a lot of men in your church, you know, <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, well, we're starting to get a lot, you know, more and more men in our, in our church. Uh, what is something, you know, that attracts men, you know, um, a lot of times, you know, a lot of times when people come into uh, our men's group. They said, well, how did you get all these men? <laughs> you know, how did you get yeah. all these men? When you're doing men's ministry, what do you find that that attracts men and brings them in to study the word, to, you know, want to grow in their walk with God? Uh, I think I think the thing that's helped most is holding one another accountable, right? Uh, holding one another accountable to know that your brother you know, he says, well, you, you didn't make it to the study. Well, uh, my alarm overslept. Well, don't let it happen again. Can you imagine, can, can you imagine on the football team, back to that analogy, playing it out, I know a little bit, but can you imagine telling the coach, coach, I didn't make practice today. He said, why? My, I overslept. I didn't, or I forgot that my alarm. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. No, he would not say that's okay. Right. He, don't let it happen again, right? Put put away your lame excuses and get your butt out here. So when you know you're needed and you're counted on and you're expected, right? Men rise to the challenge, right? None of us on that sports team herself want to go run all those suicides. But when we're pressed by others and we're held accountable, we'll do it. We'll rise to the challenge. So I think that's helpful. The other thing that's really been helpful for us is we uh, we've learned to sing the psalms. There's a number of things out there, but when you learn to sing the psalms and you sing, see the depth 
of the battles David had with sin and with brothers that turned their back on him and with those that wanted to, you know, kill the fatherless, maim or weak or hurt others, right? And David stepping up, how, how he was used of God. So learning and studying the Psalms, to your point, right? Here's a man that, like Jesus, was a warrior and he fought with words. And we have his words today. And so as we as men learn how to fight, because our fight is not against flesh and blood, but it's against those that are seeking to take our our uh, our culture captive. Think about the words like this. You've heard of this affirming gender care. Mm. For affirming gender care, which means we should allow a doctor to to do meatball surgery on a uh, a twelve year old boy so that he become a woman or to allow a, a doctor to cut off the breast of a young 13, 14-year-old girl. No, we are not going to do that, right? We are not, we're not going to be gender-affirming, right, to whatever they think they're, they're whatever foolishness has taken them captive. So this is what where our culture is going, or homosexuals at the library, right, uh, reading hour. We need more men to say no, no, right? So this is... This is what I find. Get on a mission, uh, bring others along with you, invite them, hold them accountable, like a good sports team, right? And then, uh, and and but the coach has somebody has to set the vision, right? The coach sets the vision. Yeah, we're not here just to get along. We're here to win. You know, we're here for a purpose. So that's that will. I think that will empower men, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree, and I think you know what you just you know said as far as. You know, putting that the men together, holding them accountable, something that some people don't like, like, well, you know, what is this accountability stuff? You know, well, you know, the Bible says to exhort one another daily so that right. we do not fall into the deceitfulness of sin. Right. That, right. that right. will trick us and have us all messed up. But if we're not speaking into each other's life daily, encouraging, persuading each other to, to hold fat, contend for the faith. That was once delivered to the saints, right? You know, yep. hang in there, fight this good fight of faith. You know, it's not going to be easy. There's going to be times, you know, uh, one of the things that I talk about a lot is um, suffering and how there is a sobering that happens through suffering. And that if we look at suffering the right way, we'll see that suffering is, is not this negative event that suffering has the ability to take us to a greater level in partaking and understanding what Christ did for us. And that yeah. life is not supposed to be, you know, comfortable, convenient, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's going to be tough and we've got to be prepared to navigate. Um, I right. watched a show called uh, SWAT. Um, and one of the things that the guys in SWAT always says, the leader, he says, stay fluid. And they go into these situations where they don't know where the bullets are going to be flying from, right, right. <laughs> you know, but what he's saying is that stay ready to adjust and make moves and work together. You know, they would go into a room and I love this. Me and my wife will watch this. And when they go into a room, they'll say, give me two, give me two. And so the guy behind will put his hand on the guy's shoulder and they'll go through the room. That means I got your back. Right. right. And so he doesn't go into that room till he's got two. Right. Till he's got that hand on his shoulder, he says, OK, now I can go in the room because I'm going to check this corner. You're going to check that corner and we're going to sweep this room. 
men need that, like you said. It doesn't have to be hundreds, but you need somebody who says, I got your back. You know, you're going to go into this battle. I got, I got your back. You know, sometimes it's tough for men to open up and allow someone to be that. Right. Right. In your experience, you know, how, how tough has that been for some of the guys? Yeah. It, it, so, well, two parts, right? The one first part is this, is that men need the risk element. You might say, what do you mean? Think about those little boys. Think about the so-called redneck, right? What's he, those little boys challenge each other. In my day, I'll show you my age, it was evil Knievel. So we would create a ramp and jump garbage cans, right? Uh, or jump off the roof into the snowbank where I live. But men, rednecks, right? Hey, you've heard that phrase. Hey, y'all watch this. And they're getting ready to do something really stupid. So men are given towards that sacrificial risk, right? There's some rewards in doing that. Why'd you climb that mountain? It was there, right? So we need that challenge We that gets our juices going. That's how God has made us. And so, yeah, we need those people to step out. Now, how do we get them? How do we get them on the team? Well, here's my, here's my general idea, right? It says the leaders of the church should be given to much hospitality. Mm. You might say, well, what does that do? Well, you have someone in your house, for instance, not every act of hospitality has to have them in your house, but often in your house, they walk into your house and all of a sudden they see that picture of you from your marriage day, mine 38, 38 years ago. And then they ask you, People wore white tuxes back then, and they start laughing. <laughs> you look that young. You had that much hair. Whatever it is, you're vulnerable because they're walking around your house. They see what you, who you are, what you are. Your kids aren't as always behaved as you want them to be, and you're vulnerable. But you just keep. This is who I am. I have nothing to hide. I'm a working project. I'm God's workmanship created for good works, and He's still at work in me, right? And when you do that, and you you show yourself vulnerable by letting them into your life, into your house, right? Then they can op start opening up to you about who and what they are, right? And then now you grab them by the scruff, you encourage them and you walk on together, right? And it's not, it's not some phony facade this guy's portraying. You know who he really is. You know his strengths, you know his weaknesses. And, and you accept, like David, right? David had his strengths and weaknesses too. And we need one another. To, you know, to, to rebuke and exhort and encourage one another yeah. in our strengths, in our weaknesses. Yeah. Hospitality is an interesting word because some people would say, well, isn't that kind of feminine? <laughs> you know, I, I, <laughs> but it says for the overseers, right, of the church, right? To be given to hospitality, that they should know how to, like you say, bring people in, make them feel welcome. And like you said, it takes a little bit of vulnerability on your on your end right. uh, for a person to feel welcome. And I think, you know, for, for me, over time, I've learned to kind of do that. I didn't know that that's what I was doing until, you know, our men's group started growing and we started talking about who we were as a men's group. And, and the guy saying that, man, we know that we can come in here and we can be real and nobody's going to look at us funny and right struggling with something nobody's going to bat an eye and you know, you know shame us but they're going to hold us accountable they're actually going to look us right in the eye right they well what are you doing to overcome that and how can i help That's you know right. it's not well man you need to get your act together man you man 
you're supposed to be a Christian. You, you know, no, it's, hey, man, I understand that struggle. How can I help? Right. You know, let's lend a hand. And I, and I think that's an important, I think that's an important piece of, you know, having that man or men that say, we'll go to battle with you, you know, right. with this thing, you're that's not right. alone in this, that we all have our struggles and we're willing to, you know, come alongside you and help you fight your battle um, with whatever that is. Um, for some people, that's uncomfortable. You know, I've had men come in and say, whoa, they're a little too transparent for me. I can't, you know, right. a little too much to deal with. Whereas others like, no, nah, man, I need y'all to be real. I need you to, right. to, to let me know that sometimes you still slip up and cuss and you still, <laughs> you know, you know, and right. yet you're not saying it's okay. You're saying, I understand. How can we work on that? How can we, you know, grow from right. that? What's, you know, what's going on that you're so frustrated that you do that or what have you, you know, because some people cussing is not a big deal. You know, you can, you know, but at the same time, I'm just using it as an example of something that you would be working on um, and that you can work on it with other guys. Right. Um, By the way, that, that, that's good because you end, you end with let's press, let's move on, let's grow, let's grow together versus where a, a lot of effeminate uh, pastors would take us is, oh, uh, I understand why you're this way. Your, your father, you, you know, you didn't have a father figure and, and you're this and you have that and you came from a broken marriage and, and you have all these excuses. I understand why, you'll, why you're the way you are. It's like, okay, well, that's where I started. You know, I started in a hole, but you're going to leave me in the hole? Just affirm me and tell me everything's okay. You're going to help me get out of the hole. Men want to get out of the hole. They just don't want to be patted on the head and say, okay, I understand, I understand. And this huge effeminate um, empathy that gets poured out, right? No, get up, you know, get off your butt. Let's go. I'm walking with you, right? So let's carry on. So that's, I think men respect that, right? They may not like it to start with, but they end up respecting that, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, because I think it's necessary, you know, um, even, even, the, even the term empathy, the term empathy is just understanding where that person's at and then saying, okay, I see where you are. I've been there. Now, how do we get to where we're supposed to be? Right. right? That needs to always, as you said, be the end result. Do you want right. to grow from here? You right. know, not saying it's okay. You know, you're fine. Don't worry about it. And I would challenge men, you know, with that. Sometimes, you know, a man would mess up. And somebody would jump in and say, hey, man, don't feel like that. And I would say, no, feel that. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. No, don't feel that. I, you need to feel how bad that feels because you need to be reminded of this feeling the next time right. you think about doing And And some people are like, man, that's that's cold-blooded, man. That's that's rough. But I'm, I'm, if, if, I, if I tell you don't feel that, then it makes it easier for you to do this again. But right. if you feel that, I want you to understand how this hurts your wife. I want you to understand how this affects, you know, your other relationships. Don't brush this away. Feel that. Right. Feel, feel that hurt and that pain so you can say, you know what? I don't want to be here again. Ever again. Right. <laughs> yeah, imagine the prodigal son's father and mother kept sending him money. Right. <laughs> he need to eat those pea pods with the pigs. Yes. And this is horrific. I don't want this anymore, right? I'm going back home. <laughs> Yeah, but I but he had to suffer first. Yeah. And so he had to know what that suffering was apart from Christ. So yeah, yeah how don't does he, how does he come don't to diminish himself? it? How does he come to himself 
if he doesn't have that experience, right? Right. Because the Bible says that, and he came to himself. It's right. almost like it woke him up to be in that pig's pen with right. those eating that eating those pods. Like, man, you know what? And it humbled him. He right. said, "You know what? Even if I just got to be a servant, I'm going to go home and say, Father, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against God.'" <laughs> I'm, right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, what we're talking about here is is um. It says, it says, and our fathers, our earthly fathers, right? Good earthly fathers disciplined us for, for a time. And we didn't like it. But looking back as we grow up, we said, yeah, I needed that, right? And now think about it. Who should be the church fathers? I don't mean in a patristic going back to the first century, but right, who, right. Should be, who should be the men that are leading the churches? It's those that have raised their kids. And what are they called? Elders, right? They've and look, how, how have they raised their kids? They've loved their wife. They've been given to much hospitality. They're not given to outbursts of wrath, right? They're not trying to take a, a, a pound for a pound. And they're teaching young by exhorting, rebuking, setting forth an example. They're walking with them and get up, keep going, you know, don't waver. They're still disciplining. Doesn't mean, always mean spanking. It can mean a sharp rebuke, but hopefully there's 10 other steps before they get there. That's who we need leading the churches, not the charismatic, I'm using the word charismatic personality type that, that you know, can give a rousing speech to a thousand people, right? That's smooth and his hair is perfect, uh, uh, you know, perfectly cut and coughed. And no, we need somebody who's been a good father, who's raised his children, who's done the hard lifting. To show us, and we need a lot of those. We need a plurality of those guys in the church. That makes sense. Yeah, I think about when you were saying that. I think about when when Paul he he counsels both Titus and Timothy. But I'm thinking about Titus chapter two, where he tells Titus, he says, "Will you teach what is sound doctrine, and then teach the older men?" You know, and he goes on to tell them to to be to be uh, at something. I think the King James says grave or noble or weighty. You know that 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 they not you know given to much wine, but they're they're um, not double tongued right. and all things. And and basically, he's saying, look, the older men should be an example. You know, and I think a lot of times, and 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 you know, we're gonna try to. I'm gonna try to land this plane, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> the role of older men in the church, I feel like, is underrated. Um, underrepresented and underappreciated. And this is just my perspective of it. And I'm going to ask you yours that I don't see a lot of older men being what you just said, you right. know, in the church. And so what is your perspective on that? And, you know, and then we'll go from there. Yeah. So I think, unfortunately, as a whole, the church is, uh, adopted different standards for its leaders, right? And it's not been the biblical standards. By the way, I'm not against a Bible education, Bible college seminary, but we've gone for that, right? One whole group has gone for that. So they got the degree, okay, they're in charge of the church. Well, how's their family, right? Well, it's not too good. Then we've gone from the to the mega pastor, the personality, right? And, well, he's he's so slick and he's so right. smiley, you know. He's 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 he, he's you know, he's Joel, Joel Olstein warmed over again, all, you know, just all over again, right? He can, he can put butts in seats, right? And uh, versus 
the way God says to build his kingdom is raise your family, uh, grow the church, and knowing that it can take generations. Yeah. And we don't appreciate, we want it to happen like the microwave instantly, but it takes generations. It's taken us generations to lose so much of what the church is today. It's going to take us generations to, to build it back. So we got to be in it for the long game and we've got to uh, have our children on board so they can carry on and the younger men. And so we need that vision again and we need the wisdom of older men. And by the way, I count myself as that who have had lots of lumps on my head. <laughs> so, and, and when I'm telling you all this, when I'm throwing a stone at this earlier generation, the baby boomers, I'm a part of that generation. I'm throwing a stone at myself, right? And I'm confessing some of my sins, not just their sins, if that makes sense. But when I do confess them, I want to repent and I don't want to ever do them again. <laughs> so, so yeah, we need older men who have lasted some storms and can tell us how to hold the date. Yeah. Who took over? Moses, 80-year-old Moses led the people out of Israel. Joshua led them in the promised land. Joshua was no second, right? When he led them in the promised land. He was right. in a, Joshua and Caleb, they were, they were, you know, I think they were 80 as well when they took them to the promised land. So yeah, we need those kinds of men and we need to honor them. We need to rise in the presence of the gray-headed, as scripture says. And we need to sit at their feet and listen to what they have to say to us, right? Because there's some wisdom there. Yeah. Doesn't always mean there is, but but there can be, right? Yeah. And, and you know, and I, and I, I like that because there, there's a need. There's a need for strong men. Um, and when I say that, I mean men that, like you said, know the word, have raised their families, you know, have, have been fathers and husbands and you know, I was sharing with a, a, a brand new uh, minister. He just got ordained. I was part of his uh, ordination training and uh, took him, you know, we went out to lunch and we were talking about, um, you know, ministry and balancing. And I began to explain to him, I said, you know, I probably never said it like this before, but our church came out of my living room. And when I say that, I mean that literally, that what I was doing in my living room with my family became a church. Yeah, praise God. The, the conversations that I had with my wife and my children, the studies that we did together as a family, we ended up inviting their, their friends, our neighbors to be a part of what we were doing. And so I had never really had the struggle of trying to balance the church and you know ministry and the kids because it came out of what we were doing in our house and he looked at me and says man i don't think i've ever heard of that before yeah and, yeah and i was sitting there looking at him like i don't think i have either <laughs> you know you know that it literally came out of what we were doing at home it became a larger group of people and 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 then a church you know and 15 years later we're still doing it and like your children, my children have grown up in the ministry on the college campus. They, you know, started Christian sorority. They're part of crew and FCA leaders in their communities on their campuses. Um, and even in right. their arenas now, they're faith leaders. You know, people look to them. And most of the time it's opposite. Like, well, yeah, it was 
drug the church all the time and you know and so you get to college <laughs> and you don't want to go to church no more you don't right. about church right you get yeah. out of your parents house and you're done with that you know right. um i think when you do it right it becomes a part of our life it's not something that we're trying to fight to balance into our life and right. so that was something that i really felt like wow thank you lord because you you blessed us to be able to do that because i i didn't know that that's what i was doing you inspired a vision you yeah. inspired a vision. and and just wanted to do what the lord said to do and it started with taking care of home first pouring into my wife pouring into right. my children yeah, praise you god my first disciples right, right. They're, yep. they're the first people if, if i couldn't lead them then the scripture says i have no right <laughs> you know right. the household of god and so last thing i guess we'll, we'll kind of park in on men that want to do ministry but struggle with trying to figure out how to balance that with family what would you say to those those men uh this was the real generation this was a real struggle for my generation that there were so many men that gave so much to the church yeah there was something going on every single night at the church and they had to be there yeah and and you and, and in my generation there was the label given to what they called the the worst kids in the church were the pks PK. the pastor yeah so so a man loves his wife the, the, first off the church should not in my opinion nowhere did jesus and his early disciples say okay we got to have a it was a it was meant the ministry to jesus was to primarily to men he loved he loved women don't get me wrong but if you set the men right the men set the men become shepherds of their own family they set their families right as opposed to saying you know what the men men have dropped the ball so we got to have a monday nights women's bible study tuesday nights kids ministry went thursday nights uh senior citizens ministry and you just you have this fractured church as opposed to let's establish the families again. Let's strengthen them. How do we do it? Let's strengthen the men and hold them accountable. And to know that uh, any man that's in ministry, if you neglect your family, that is your first calling as a shepherd. Shepherd your family. Show the rest of the church how to do this in the right way because it's a generational battle. It's a generational fight, right? Uh, raise up a children, have quiver or arrows full of these straight arrows that are your children to send them off in the next generation. But do it right. Don't sacrifice your family for for uh, some ministry that's going on in church. Cancel it, right? Focus on your family. Set forth a godly example. Call others to walk with you and do what you're doing. And be patient. Wait. Don't look for that instant success. I think we look for instant success and therefore we sacrifice. And by the way, we count success as butts and seats yeah. in our generation, which is not, right? It's not. It, and that's not what God didn't say. Oh, look, look at all the number of goats you have in your, your pasture. <laughs> no. no, he's separating the sheep from the goats and it's those that are faithfully working. So we got to be patient, wait upon him. And yeah, not sacrifice our family, but make them a high, high priority, right? As loving them and showing others how to do that. By the way, great testimony, Brother Anthony, about you and your family. You warmed my heart today. So thank you for doing that. No, man, it just, that's, you know, I appreciate that. That's just the, the way it, it worked out. 
I tell people a lot of times that, man, I was just trying to follow God. We were talking about this in men's group, and I guess this is the final thing I'll say. Uh, one of the younger guys who we've been mentoring, he's part of our men's group. We were talking about, you know, being a father and me and my uh, one of my assistant pastors. We both said the same thing, that in being a father, not having that father figure, we both said, Lord, I don't know how to be a father. Please help me. And right. he heard that. And later on, he circled back. He says, hey, can I ask you guys a question? You know, you, you know, you, Pastor Joe and you, Pastor Anthony, can I ask you guys a question? You both said that you prayed and asked God <laughs> right. how to be a father. He said, what, what is that? What does that look like? And, you know, it, and it was a, it was a powerful moment because this is what, this is what this is about, right? You know, and being able to share with him that, yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't know my dad. So there were a lot of voids that I had to seek the Lord and look at God as a father and for him to show me what a father looked like. And a lot of it was what I never had. Right. Never had a man be consistent in my life. Never had a man affirm me and, 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 and build me up, you know, to give me confidence in my life. Never had you know, a, a man discipline me out of love, you know, out of a fire. You know, we talked about anger. And one of the things that we said about anger is that your anger shouldn't inspire you to hurt people. It should inspire you to help people. Right. You know, if your anger inspires you to hurt people, then you're operating in human anger, which does not produce the righteousness of God. But if you're operating out of anger that the Lord has inspired, it's going to cause you to build people up because you're going to be you're going to want to see them be all that God wants them to be. And, you know, I got to share a few things. And then Pastor Joe, who, you know, got to share, uh, share a few things and to look at that young man who's 23, 24 years old with a family wanting to hear from other men and there being a, a, a space created for that, that he can talk to other men about what it means to be a father. I, mm. Like I said, I didn't have that. So that was a powerful moment to be able to share our experiences. And it means that this generation coming up under us will be hopefully better than us. And they'll learn they'll learn things at a younger age than we did. I told yeah. them, I didn't learn this stuff till I was 35. Right. You, know, you guys are 20 something and you're getting to sit under this. And I say this not arrogantly, but you, I didn't have a me. I didn't have a Pastor Joe. I didn't have a Deacon Tim. I didn't have some of these guys that I could just sit around with and talk about marriage and parenting and being a man and the struggles. You know, we kind of had to figure it out on our own, which was kind of what the world said to us. Were you a man? Figure it out. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> just, just figure it out, you right. know. But in the congregation, you know, in God's, God, in God's church, it's set up for the older men to teach the younger men. Older right. women teach the younger women. But we God. have to have that, that positioning in place for that to happen. And so uh, that's another reason why, you know, reaching out to you because, you know, I've, I've heard your testimony, you know, with, 
all the grandchildren. And one day, you know, I'll, I'll, hopefully I'll be able to have that same testimony of the generations, you know, right. uh, of those, you know, blessing that goes down, you know, from the, the, the patriarch of the family, you know, on down. Um, right. and I know that that is a trigger word for some people, but in the right context, it's actually a beautiful thing, you know, right. you know, to pass on, to be a progenitor, you know, right. you know, to pass on, you know, to your, uh, your posterity, your children, your legacy, your, you know, uh, lineage, these, these truths. And so, man, this has been powerful. Um, uh, again, I love it every time we get to talk and, you know, um, yeah, really appreciate you taking the time to hop on with me. And uh, man, it's been awesome. Any last comments or hey, that you want to leave out there? Two, two quick words. That's, let me encourage you, right? So first off, uh, I love it that you're telling those young men, stand on my shoulders, right? Go higher than I did, stand on my shoulders. And as you're doing that, right, let me say, as an older man, uh you will hear those words from God the Father. This is my son, Anthony, of whom I am well pleased. So praise God that your heavenly father knows you and he is well He is well pleased with you. So keep up the good work, brother. Man, thank you so much, sir. Um, last but not least, if you could say a word of prayer for myself and my listeners, that would be awesome. Well, let's do it. All right. Let's do it. Father, we... Thank you for the times at which you placed us, Lord, how inadequate we feel. But yet, Lord, we pray that you have put us here. There's a battle before us. Lord, help us. Spit us up for the battle. Give, put us with other brothers in Christ, Lord, that we can fight for our families, fight for our churches and our community. Lord, not that we advance our kingdom, not for our glory, but that your name would be praised. Lord, I pray for uh, Anthony and his work in the church and for the other men that are there. Thank you for the testimony of what you're doing. Pray to Lord for these listeners on the podcast, Lord, that you would grant them a vision of biblical masculinity to stand up, to fight, to sacrifice themselves, to take every thought captive for Christ. Mm. Lord, that your kingdom would be advanced. Father, this we pray to Christ in Christ's name and for his glory. Amen. 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 Well, God bless you all. Thanks for listening. Don't forget uh, to ch check out, what is it called? Willing Warriors? Willing Warriors on YouTube channel. Yep. Yeah, on YouTube. Um, I'll pop the link in the description so that you can check out some of this stuff. You also have a Facebook group of Bible study for men. It's called Men's Bible Study Page. It's got kind of a wood looking plaque in front of the Men's Bible study page. Love to have you on. Put a post up. Anybody put a post up about once a day. It's usually some of my meditations from reading Bible and trying to be culturally appropriate for the fight that's before. So love, love any other engagement, right? Amen. Amen. So check, check out brother, brother Kevin. And uh, man, uh, for all you guys listening, remember, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. God bless you, and thank you for listening to the Love Thy Neighbor Podcast Network. God bless. Amen.